I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening, and welcome to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, we have a packed show for you tonight, starting with a follow-up to a story we covered this last summer on Outbeat News involving two Sebastopol women who married just one week before the Supreme Court struck down Prop 8. The reason for the early ceremony? One of the partners was dying. And our good friend family law attorney Kina Crocker is here with her colleague Tate Burney to tell us more about how this case turned out. And on this month's Outbeat You segment, we introduce you to Jake Stallman, this year's recipient of the Matthew Shepard Foundation's Spirit of Matthew Award. All of this and much more is coming up right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, November 24th, 2013. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. This month, the Attorney General's Office reported a 12.3% drop in reported hate crimes for the year 2012. A total of 930 incidents were reported statewide, down from 1,060 in 2011. Hate crimes involving sexual orientation decreased 3.7% last year, down from 244 in 2011 to 235 in 2012. Sexual orientation remains the second most common bias motivation for those hate crimes reported in California. Here in Sonoma County, this last Wednesday, Fountain Grove Lodge, the nation's first full-service LGBT retirement community, officially opened its doors. Regional elected officials and LGBT leaders joined award-winning developer Oakmont Senior Living to celebrate the grand opening of the 10-acre retirement campus located in Santa Rosa. Seniors are the largest and fastest growing population in America, and currently the LGBT community accounts for 1.5 million of those seniors. In the next 20 years, the number of LGBT seniors is expected to double. Providing care options to this aging population is vital to help them lead rich and full lives as they age. Fountain Grove Lodge is the first of its kind to give the growing number of LGBT seniors a place to enjoy a meaningful retirement in a community of friends. The community is currently 65% occupied with LGBT seniors from as far away as Florida, Maryland, and London. Fountain Grove Lodge features craftsman-style architecture to reflect the natural beauty of the surrounding landscape. The community offers independent and assisted living options for its 70 apartments and bungalows that are available in nine different floor plans ranging from 830 to 2,000 square feet. As a full-service retirement campus, Fountain Grove Lodge provides a wide range of resort amenities and services that offer the very best in retirement living. From gourmet meals prepared by a world-class chef to enjoying a stroll through the orchard of native oaks or a glass of wine in the wine cave, Oakmont Senior Living is taking great care to create not just a community, but a comfortable lifestyle. Fountain Grove Lodge is adjacent to a championship golf course and features a fully equipped fitness center with daily fitness instruction, hiking trails, and an outdoor pool. Other common areas include a library, business center, a great hall for special events, a pet park, movie theater, and activity rooms. Chauffeur transportation, valet, and concierge services are also available for residents. As the only LGBT retirement community to provide continuing care, The Lodge offers residents the medical support and attention they may need as they age in the privacy of their own homes. Services are customized and include emergency response systems, personal health assessments, and screenings, medication reminders, housekeeping, flu shots, dietary guidance, and a temporary in-home care for those recuperating from an illness or injury. Fountain Grove Lodge will also feature an on-site memory care center offering specialized services to individuals diagnosed with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. A full staff of licensed vocational nurses, care managers, medical technicians, maintenance technicians, and administrative workers are available 24 hours a day to provide individual and tailored care. You can learn more at FountainGroveLodge.com. And in Napa, the Napa LGBTQ Project is sponsoring an educational event at Napa Valley College that includes free confidential HIV rapid response testing. Here's Vanessa Cavallero with more. So this event, we are partnering with Planned Parenthood and the Napa Valley College, and it's about visibility and awareness, especially for students and community at Napa College. According to Planned Parenthood, Napa and Solano have the highest rates of some STDs, and Having other infections can make you at a higher risk for HIV. 
So we think it's important for people to know what kind of preventative care is out there because it is all preventative. And now that they have access to affordable health care and they can't be turned down due to a pre-existing condition, we just want people in the community to know what resources there are in the community, um, just have some basic education. And we thought it would be a fun way to get the information across as well as bring awareness to World AIDS Day. So this event will be in the community room at Napa Valley College. We will also have a taco truck available near the community room where people can get their free taco and we're giving people for participating or get, getting information. We are just going to give them a voucher for a free taco and we're going to have rapid response HIV testing there and it will be in a very private area where people can go and not worry about having attention brought to them if they want to take advantage of the test, which I think everyone should. And that will be provided by Planned Parenthood. We will have tables out with different community partners and there will be activities at the tables you can participate in just to have fun and, and get the information in a fun way. We'll be giving out condoms. There will be a condom photo booth provided by Planned Parenthood, as well as information about places in the community, um, such as LGBTQ Connection. I know the Napa Valley College Queer Student Alliance will be there. So um, we're really excited. This event is open to all students at Napa Valley College, as well as community members who are able to come. Thanks, Vanessa. Once again, this event will take place a week from this Tuesday on December 3rd from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the community room located in the library building at Napa Valley College. Now, here's your calendar event for the coming weeks. On Monday, November 25th, the Parents of Transgender Youth Support Group will meet at the Positive Images Center, 312 Chin Street in Santa Rosa. And on Tuesday, November 26th at 7.30 p.m., the trans group will meet at the Positive Images Center, 312 Chin Street. And on Sunday, December 1st at 7.30 p.m., Shine, the Gay Men's Chorus Holiday Concert, will happen at the Sonoma County Day School, 440 Day School Road in Santa Rosa. The festive concert is a benefit for face-to-face -face Sonoma County AIDS Network. Tickets are $30 in advance and $35 at the door. And for more information about LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And if you have news or an event you'd like to share with our listeners, be sure to tell us about it by going to our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Follow us all week long on Facebook and Twitter for the latest LGBT news and information from here in the North Bay and beyond. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Last summer, Stacy Shewitt married her dying partner, Leslie Tabota Hall, a week before the United States Supreme Court restored the right of California's same-sex couples to wed. She had only a day to be a wife. But on the day the wedding took place, California's Prop 8 was still in force. And here to tell us about their court challenges are good friend, family law attorney, Kina Crocker, and her colleague... Tate Burney. Welcome to you both. Thank you Thank for you. having us. It's great to have you here tonight. Uh, before we get into the details about this case, tell us how you two came together to work on this. Well, here in Sonoma County, uh, both Tate and I practice, and I practice family law and she does estate planning, and we're actually part of a study group that um, gets together once a month, and it, it consists of family law attorneys, estate planning attorneys, as well as CPAs, and we all focus on issues that affect the LGBT community. So as you can imagine, since June of this year, we've had a lot to talk about. I bet you have. Now, we covered this story last summer on Outbeat News, but for our listeners who are not familiar with what happened with these two women, give us the details. Sure, Greg. Um, Stacey and Leslie are a couple that lives in Sebastopol, and I'm an estate planning attorney in Sebastopol. And they came into my office about a month before the Supreme Court decision, ostensibly for me to just look over their existing estate planning documents and make sure that they had everything in order. At that point, Leslie's cancer diagnosis was already terminal, and they were really just making um, hospice-type arrangements for her. As soon as I looked at their, their documents, were fine, but as soon as I looked at their um, pension benefits, from Leslie's employer, I knew we had a problem. The pension plan said that it was going to only pay to a spouse and defined a spouse as one man and one woman. 
And so Stacy, as Leslie's registered domestic partner, was not going to fall into that definition. And so I brought the case back to our study group, and we all put our heads together and said, we got to get this couple married. We think that the Supreme Court is going to change the, the laws of the land, and we need to get them married. Unfortunately, Leslie's health was um, so poor at that point, there wasn't a way for us to put them on an airplane and fly them to one of the states that already had marriage, um, same-sex marriage um, legal in those states. She, she couldn't travel across the country to fly to one of the marriage recognition mm. states. So we started trying to figure out how to get them married in California. And, in fact, um, we held a whole wedding ceremony. Um, our supervisor over here in West County, Efren Carrillo, came out to their home and performed the wedding ceremony. And um, Leslie did that one day later. It was six days before the Supreme Court issued their decision. And that's when um, I brought Kina into the case, and she and I went to work in the local courts here to try and get that marriage confirmed as a valid marriage so that Stacy could take advantage of what we hoped was going to be um, the favorable decision in Windsor, which it turned out to be. Wow. So you talked about the fact that you and Keena are part of a collaborative here in Sonoma County. Are these groups that work on these cases together or situations like this together unique? I think that it is. Um, yes. I'm, I, I know that there are groups all across the state that um, get together, and there are national listservs that we're also a part of uh, that discuss all of these issues. But I think our group is very unique um, in that we are all focused on the same issues we are uh, all very well-versed in the changes in the law. We all keep up with it on a daily basis. That's really, really great. Well, I remember reading about a case last spring in Ohio involving two men in very similar circumstances. Uh, one was dying, and they went to some pretty extraordinary measures to secure their marriage. Tell us about how these two cases are similar. You know, we actually, uh, in one of our briefs, we did two. We uh, drafted two briefs for this particular case, and uh, in one of them, we did mention the Ohio case because I think it, it does help the court see that um, post-Windsor, uh, the equal treatment of same-sex couples is becoming more of the norm, luckily for us. And so in that particular case, that was out of Ohio, a couple, John and Jim, they were unable to marry in Ohio because they were a same-sex couple, and there is a ban um, on same-sex marriage in that state. John was terminally ill with a neurological disease. He wasn't well enough to leave his home, and he, was, he had a great community that um, donated money, and um, they were able to cover the cost of a chartered, medically-equipped private plane. And despite his weakened medical state, um, he was able to fly with Jim to Maryland, where they legally married each other on the airport tarmac. And um, when they came back to Ohio, they wanted their marriage recognized. And the court actually said, okay, we'll do that. We, we don't see that it's any different than recognizing opposite-sex couples who married in another state and came back to our state, mm -hmm. which is a, quite a surprising ruling for that state. Um, and he has since passed away, but they, they did actually have their marriage recognized in Ohio. And it was similar to our case because Leslie was also um, in a – her health was declining rapidly, and she was not well enough – she actually, the difference being that she was not even well enough to travel. Um, the couple certainly didn't have money to have, have a chartered private uh, medically equipped plane. They weren't able to go to Washington or any nearby state where marriage was legal. But, but it just goes to show that, you know, even a state like Ohio that has a constitutional ban, even they are recognizing out-of-state out um, same-sex legal marriages. And it just helped our case by showing that, you know, this, this particular couple should also have their marriage recognized. Sure. So, Kina, talk about some of the arguments that you used in this case in front of the judge. Um, we actually, you know, that's interesting. In the probate court, we didn't actually argue anything in front of the judge. Um, we first submitted our petition, and the court reviewed it. She looked at it in chambers, and uh, we talked to um, her staff, and they said, you know, she has a couple of questions. There are a couple of things that she'd like to hear more about. Can you go back and draft another brief that addresses these questions? And we happily did so. So um, we actually didn't have to argue in front of her, but um, I'd certainly like to know uh, what it is that, that swayed her one way or the other. Wow. So it sounds like she was on board almost from the beginning, huh? I, you know, we are very lucky in Sonoma County. We have judges that are very um, progressive and forward-thinking, and 
I, I do believe that in her heart of hearts she wanted to see this result, and, and she just needed a legal reason to do so, and, and, I'm, and we provided that for her. So were you both a bit surprised by the outcome? Well, we were hopeful all along that we could get a favorable outcome. You know, um, Stacy and Leslie took every single step that they could um, to try and confirm their marriage. They applied for a, a marriage license, um, but it was denied because at that point California law did not um, allow same-sex couples to get a marriage license. But they had a formal ceremony. They had a ceremony officiated by someone who was um, confirmed by the county to perform these type ceremonies. They took, they did every step they could, mm-hmm. but for the unconstitutional ban that Proposition 8 put in place for them to um, be able to get married, but for that ban, they did everything that they needed to do to have a valid marriage. So I think that the court, um, I hope that <laughs> the court, well, we know she was persuaded, I think that she really understood that they took every step that they could, and it was really just this unconstitutional law, Proposition 8, that prevented them from confirming their marriage. And that there was no reason why the court should deny them that um, lawful marriage status just because there was a law on the books that was unconstitutional. Sure. So what about the employer FedEx? Have they agreed to pay the pension benefits now since this decision was posted? Well, Greg, we're hopeful that they're going to pay it. We haven't yet had a response from them. They um, have not yet changed their plan documents to include same-sex couples as their de- in their definition of spouse, but um, we believe that we have submitted a valid claim for Stacey to now claim these docu- uh, the pension benefits to which she's entitled, and we're very hopeful that they're going to pay them out. Well, we can only hope that FedEx will do the right thing and adjust their policy as they should and pay out those benefits. So this case seems like kind of a a one-time event now that the Supreme Court's already made their ruling. Do you see this decision affecting other cases moving forward? Well, for those couples that have both partners are still alive, of course, after June 26th, they can go and get married. So um, it is probably a fairly unique set of circumstances where we knew and took all the appropriate steps prior to Leslie's passing to be able to confirm the marriage. Um, There are some arguments that we have made in this case that I think are applicable to other um, situations in Sonoma County. One of them has to do with, in addition to trying to get these pension benefits, we also are working on confirming Social Security survivor benefits for Mm -hmm. Stacey. Um, They have two minor children, and so in addition to... Um, children's benefits that are paid when a person passes away and they have children under age 18. There's also caregiver benefits that are paid, and they're only paid to a quote-unquote surviving spouse. But there is language in the Social Security Administration's Act um, that does potentially cover also registered domestic partners. And in briefing this case and working through these issues, both with Kena and we actually brought this case um, to bigger national Um, conferences that we're involved with for the LGBT community and talking about it, we think that that registered domestic partner argument is a really strong one. And so there may be um, people here in Sonoma County whose registered domestic partner has passed away before the law changed. And we would encourage them to seek some legal advice and go into the Social Security Administration and apply for the benefits that they may be entitled to, including survivor's benefits under Social Security. A very complex situation for sure. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. I know last week you and Tate were part of an event to help educate LGBT couples about the impact of the U.S. Supreme Court decision striking down DOMA and what marriage can do for couples. How did that go? Tate and I, as well as Linda Shear, who is a CPA, uh, the three of us were on a panel providing a a seminar for the general public about the Supreme Court cases that were handed down in June and kind of what the changes in the law are and and really educating our community about what's available. Uh, Our community has been uh, discriminated against for so long. It's it's very new to the community to have these rights and obligations that have come from having full equality at the federal level and at the California state level. So our purpose was to answer questions and also present on family law issues, estate planning issues, and tax issues that people just haven't been thinking about and haven't had in their consciousness. Great, great. Sounds like a really important and informative event, because there certainly is a lot more involved in in getting married than saying, I do, isn't there? Definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Tate, tell us where people can go to get in contact with you if they have more questions or to learn more about your operation. Well, you can always um, find me on the Internet um, on our webpage, www.BernieLaw.com, um, or call our office, um, 707-823-8593. I also just want to let, Greg, let your listeners know that there are very good resources available online for general LGBT issues um, that the National Center for Lesbian Rights puts out. Their website is www.nclrights.org, uh, and they have fact sheets on their website about the post-DOMA world. Um, I don't think the fact sheets ever take the place of getting legal advice for your specific situation. They're very broad, but they are a good starting point if people have questions about taxes and filing status, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the different programs, government programs that are affected by the Windsor ruling. Fantastic. And Kina, where can people go to find you? Um, I am the owner and principal of Crocker Law, which is in Santa Rosa downtown. Uh, My web address is www.crockerfamilylaw.com, and my phone number is 707-595-5977. And we'll have all of those links available on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Kena Crocker and Tate Bernie, thanks so much for being with us tonight and sharing the information about this important story. I'm really, really happy that it all came out the way that it did. We are too. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Greg. And we'll be back with more right after this. There are more than 2,000 people living with HIV and AIDS in Sonoma County. 500 of them don't know they have it, so neither do their partners. If you've ever suspected you've been exposed to HIV and want to know whether you're carrying the virus that could lead to AIDS, there's a place you can be tested for free, confidentially, and anonymously with results in just 20 minutes. Call face-to-face at 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. We want you to know your status. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News In-Depth here on KRCB Radio. Well, this month, Illinois and Hawaii passed marriage equality laws, bringing the total number of states to 16. And during the debate in Hawaii, Representative Kandiala Ng not only delivered an inspiring nine-minute speech in favor of marriage equality in the Aloha State, but he took listeners on a journey through his own self-discovery and realization of why rights for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals are so important. Here's a bit of what he had to say. Mr. Speaker, I rise in strong support of Senate Bill 1 relating to equal rights. Please proceed. Thank you. A couple of days ago, I spoke to young mainstream Christians. Today, I have a broader message. In 1998, my parents voted on a constitutional amendment to reserve marriage between one woman and one man. I remember the commercials. Vote yes for traditional marriage. Our family liked that one. And vote no on the constitutional amendment. That one was bad. You see, like most nine-year-olds, Morality was a very black and white concept. There's right, and then there's wrong. I carried a due north, due south moral compass oriented primarily on what my incredibly loving parents, hi mom, taught me. And they, along with my church, taught me that being gay was bad. But in October 1998, a few weeks before that vote, something happened that shook and recalibrated my young conscience. Matthew Shepard, A gay teenager going to college in Wyoming was inhumanely tortured and murdered by straight classmates. A hate crime that made national news. He was tied to a fence and beat with a pistol and left to bleed to death. I remember discussing this with a friend of mine from church and my friend said, good for him. God says he is evil. But I knew in my young heart that no one deserved this kind of brutality, no one. This is where my convictions began. You see, if we want to understand this or any gay rights issue, we need to understand the LGBT experience. Many of us just can't grasp what it'll be like. Until college, like many of the testifiers here, I thought being gay was a lifestyle choice that went against nature. But when you actually hear from the LGBT community, as we on your joint committee on finance and Judd have witnessed, it is clearly not a choice. In fact, many gay people who testified last week proclaimed that as teenagers, they fought who they are and tried to force themselves straight. 
Many face self-loathing and torment because of this. And thank God that unlike the thousands of gay teenagers that take their own lives every year, these brave people persevered and they were able to be here today in front of a less than friendly crowd to stand up like champions for equal rights for all. For those opponents who say this isn't about civil rights, I challenge you to tell that with a clear conscience to Alan Spector, who had the love of his life deported back to South America, South America because his postdoctoral research funding expired. I challenge you to tell that to Kimberly Allen, who was not allowed to see her life pa partner in the hospital during the last hours of her life. I challenge you to tell that to Tamara Young, who had to reconsider adoption and delay forming the family she desired because of the cost without the rights and benefits of marriage. Tell that to Bart Zolo, a soldier fighting for his freedom who was called a flaming homo mistake by a rank and file superior. Tell that to Jeremy Wright, who slipped into depression trying to force or pray himself straight. And I challenge you to tell that to the parents of Matthew Shepard, that the suffering and the tragic death of their own son that they experience is not sufficient to call this a civil rights issue. Tell these people hold on until the majority is ready. Tell them they must continue to suffer inequality and hate because other people are not ready to grant them full equality. Can you do that with a clear conscience? Some testifiers have spoken about this bill ushering in an onslaught of gay lifestyle. And they challenged your committee members, Mr. Speaker. Would you wish homosexuality upon your own kids? So I really thought about this. If the gay lifestyle they speak of pertains to the highly successful physicians, attorneys, economists, a world-renowned microbiologist and psychologist that we've seen testify, if this gay lifestyle pertains to the inspiringly committed couples who have been together for decades yet are still viewed as strangers in the eyes of their government, if this gay lifestyle that these pre if this gay lifestyle that they're referring to pertains to these brave people boldly standing in the face of hate to fight for equal rights for all, if that's what the gay agenda will bring, if that's how my gay children will be like, then hey, sign me up. I'll take three. And please, and please, don't write scripts for your kids to tell me that children need a mother and a father in order to be raised right. When my father passed away when I was a young child, and just like our junior U.S. Senator, and just like our Hawaii-born President of the United States, I come from a single-parent home. Don't tell me that I and my brothers and sisters who are excelling in sports, academics, and art, that we are any lesser than your child. Mr. Speaker, I yield my time. Especially in Hawaii, where Hanai adoption is enshrined, is enshrined in tradition, where multi-generational families are valued just as much as our kupuna are, and where diversity is the hallmark of our aloha spirit, we need to embrace empirical evidence stating that the nuclear family is no better off than other familial structures. Our children need to continue to learn that in Hawaii, we're all equal, no matter your sexual orientation and no matter how your family is structured. You see, I live in Kihei with one of the largest gay populations in the state and with the majority of my constituents in support. But for my colleagues who have the majority in their districts in opposition, let me leave you with this. In high school, my friends, just like most kids in high school, we used gay the word gay kind of as an insult, or as a great philosopher Macklemore said, as synonymous with the lesser. Um, we hurled it at each other as to, to make fun of each other. And uh, one day, a gay classmate of mine, he was walking to band class. He tripped and he dropped a jar, a glass jar that was full of paper stars, they're colorful stars. And my friends started laughing at him. Now why I, felt bad. So I went over there and helped them. And that didn't make me really cool. As a matter of fact, every time we came, we, we, we rocked by that guy later on, my friends would say, hey, there goes your boyfriend. But I did it not because it was the popular thing to do, but because it was the right thing to do. Standing up for this individual did not make me popular, but it was the right thing to do.
just because the numerical majority is in one place, it does not mean they are in the right place. We are in a position right now that we must lead our state to the right place. Sometimes the right thing to do goes against the popular thing to do. While I cannot take my parents' 1998 vote back, the people placed me in a position where I can help correct an injustice here in Hawaii. And I am prepared to face the consequences of my vote. I have, um, this, to me, this bill is about love and acceptance. In Hawaii, we call it aloha. Uh, one person in the audience stated that it's the wrong love. I don't agree. Again, I agree with Macklemore. It's the same love. I have one last question. How many more gay people must God create until we realize that he wants them here? How many more gay people must God create until we realize that he wants them here? Mr. Speaker, let the people decide who they marry. What a great representative and role model he is. And we'll be back with this month's Outbeat You segment right after a music break. Here's Macklemore with Same Love. When I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay because I could draw. My uncle was and I kept my room straight. I told my mom, tears rushing down my face. She's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K. Tripping. Yeah, I guess she had a point, didn't she? Bunch of stereotypes all in my head. I remember doing the math, like, yeah, I'm good at Little League. A preconceived idea of what it all meant. But those that like the same sex have the characteristics. The right-wing conservatives think it's a decision. And you can be cured with some treatment and religion. Man-made rewiring of a predisposition playing God. Oh nah, here we go. America the brave, still fears what we don't know. And God loves all his children, it's somehow forgotten. But we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. I don't know. And I can't change. Even if I tried. Even if I wanted to. And I can't change. Even if I tried. I would think hip-hop hates me Have you read the YouTube comments lately? Man, that's gay Gets dropped on the daily We become so numb to what we're saying A culture founded from oppression Yeah, we don't have acceptance for them Call each other faggots Behind the keys of a message board A word rooted in hate Yet our genre still ignores it Gay is synonymous with the lesser It's the same hate that's caused wars from religion Gender to skin color, the complexion of your pigment The same fight that led people to walkouts and sit-ins It's human rights for everybody, there is no difference Live on and be yourself When I was at church, they taught me something else If you preach hate at the service, those words aren't anointed That holy water that you soak in has been poisoned When everyone else is more comfortable remaining voiceless Rather than fighting for humans that have had their rights stolen I might not be the same, but that's not important No freedom till we're equal Damn right I support it Press pause, progress march on With the veil over our eyes, we turn our back on the cause Till the day that my uncles can be united by law When kids aren't walking around the hallway Plagued by pain in their heart A world so hateful, some would rather die than be who they are And a certificate on paper isn't gonna solve it all But it's a damn good place to start No law is gonna change us 
we have to change us Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one Strip away the fear, underneath it's all the same love About time that we raised up For this month's Outbeat Youth segment, we'd like to introduce you to an amazing young man from Iowa who, despite being bullied and sent a death threat by one of his peers, has overcome his adversaries and decided to do something productive about it to help others facing similar challenges. Jake Stallman is this year's recipient of the Matthew Shepard Foundation's Spirit of Matthew Award. Hello, I'm Jacob, Jacob Stallman from Tipton High School. I'm a junior. I'm the first male cheerleader on my squad. Um, Recently, I started blogging for the Matthew Shepard Foundation. 1998, when I was one and a half years old, Matthew Shepard was a college student at Laramie, Colorado, and he was beat severely and tied to a fence and left to die. And also, my mom has started an anti-bullying campaign, and she likes to send notes to uh, kids who are struggling with bullies in America. Me and her write notes, and we offer some help and we like to um, encourage those people to keep going strong. We don't want no one to die from suicide in America. That's not right at all. When I came out of the closet, I was unsure about what people were gonna think or say. And when I started blogging, people really didn't know about it until I started talking about it. And ever since then, I've got tremendous support from teachers and friends. And then when I decided I wanted to go out for cheerleading, I was kind of nervous. I didn't, want, I didn't know what people were gonna say or think. But when I started, jo I joined the team, I felt the warmth of my, my uh, peers and my friends. And then these cheer, uh, cheerleaders became my cheer sisters and my coaches became my, my second parents. And I feel like they care about me tremendously. That was from an interview Jake did with the Quad City Times. I met Jake this last October when he received this prestigious award at the annual Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala in Colorado. And joining us now to talk about his journey is Jake Stallman. Jake, welcome to Outbeat Radio. Well, it's nice to be here well, and uh, talking to you. And congratulations on your award. That must be really special. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, at first it was unbelievable. Well, I want to talk more about that in a second, but tell us a little bit about you and where you grew up and where you're going to school. I go to a school here in Tipton, Iowa. It's a very small town, about 3,000 people. I'm a junior in high school, and I'm a cheerleader, first male cheerleader at my school. First male cheerleader. Now, how did that come about? Well, it started my freshman year when I had some foreign exchange student friends, and uh, cheerleading in Europe is really big. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, you should do cheerleading. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe. Who knows? And I would always joke around about it. And then as my sophomore year came, I had another foreign exchange student friend. And she's like, you should really, really do it. It's really fun. I'm like, yep, I'll see about it. It's, it's on my things to look at list. And then um, my friend, he's a male cheater from another local school. And he was like, it's so much fun, Jacob. You should really try it. And if you don't like it, you can always quit. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll think. And I thought about it more. And then I talked to my the cheerleading coach. She's like, I never had a male cheerleader on my squad, so it would be new to me, too. And then we started talking about it, and then the idea developed into me trying out and then, therefore, mm -hmm. making it on the squad. Fantastic. How did your school react? Um, 
definitely heard positive things from the school. Um, the principal said congratulations. Um, the girls in the cheerleading squad, they're always, they said to me, the first, um, first thing they said to me were, oh, my God, I knew that you were going to make it, and I'm so happy that you made it. Our team needs a male. Very good. Now, you had some struggles when you first came out at your school. Well, I told one of my friends, you know, the whole middle school, high school effect, and they tell one person, then she tells another person, and they tell another person. And next thing you know, I was kind of already out of the closet before I even knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, it would generally be like um, I, uh, my friends and I would, would, talk, would talk, and then we have guy friends around, and then they would act awkward, and then then I would feel awkward after that because I'm, I'm just used to, like, not worrying about what, other, what I say because, like, back I was straight, so it was, they didn't even think about it. But now that I was out of the closet, it was like um, I had to, like, be careful what I say because they would feel awkward. Mm-hmm. So what happened? I mean, did you suffer any bullying or did, was this just something that people got used to? There was half and half. Other people got used to it, like my girlfriends and um, my a few of my guy friends. They got used to it, and we're uh, we're still best friends. But then there's some people that um, I don't know if they aren't used to it or they don't want to get used to it because, um, like, not so much this year, but in the past years in high school, um, they would say stuff like "fag" and stuff not to me, like around me. Mm-hmm. It was directed towards me, but they didn't like directly say it to my face. So, yeah, it's kind of like half and half. People got used to it. Other people didn't. Mm-hmm. Were you the first out person at your school, or were there others that were out? Yeah. Um, my freshman year, um, there was a senior who was gay. And then um, one of my best friends, she was a lesbian. So how did you get involved with the Matthew Shepard Foundation? I was looking for an acting piece for my uh, competition that I do every year. And... Um, I found the Larry Project, and then I was, I told my mom about it. She was like, yeah, I heard of that. And then um, I kind of told her, like, about Judy Shepard, how inspirational she was. And she was like, okay, I'll go, look, I'll go look that up. And then a few days later, I came home from school, and she's like, Jacob, how would you like to blog for the Matthew Shepard Foundation? Well, it turns out she, um, she got a hold of um, someone that worked at the foundation um, at Matthew's place, and started talking about my story and then they just offered me to be a blogger wow so your mom sounds like she's been totally supportive of you yeah amazing and of course i was able to watch her present you with your award uh, in denver it was one of the most touching presentations i think i've ever seen how great for you to have a mom who's got your back in that way i agree with you there it's when i came out of the closet the one thing i was worried about was if I'm going to still have a family, I was worried about, um, you know, if I was going to get kicked out because I didn't know if my family supported it. I dropped, I dropped little hints along the way, just trying to get uh, see how her, my mom's reaction towards homosexuality was. And then one day, I came out and told her. And having a mom that says a statement that saying that she supports me and then asks me what was for dinner, it was kind of. A relief, and I know that there's people out there that are worried, but you just got to know your family. Mm-hmm. That sounds like you've got a great one. Talk yeah. more about talk more about what you're doing as a blogger. What does that involve, and what have you been writing about? Well, I started blogging in May, and um, basically you can blog about anything you want, but I tend to focus on not my life because my life I feel is really boring and really just a high school student. <clears throat> But I like to focus on different topics that um, are going through my mind during that month because I blog once a month. Mm-hmm. And I tend to I, I blog about um, my life, and then I blog about anything from marriage equality to bullying problems. And I just try to make them so that people can relate to them. And where can people go to read your writing? They go to matthewsplace.com. And um, there's a, a little bar that you click, and it says Youth Blogs. And there's, um, like, I think maybe nine other bloggers, but mine's called Jake's Place. 
And if you missed that website, we'll have it on our own at OutbeatNews.com. This is a great resource, I think, for young people, particularly who are feeling isolated out in the middle of nowhere and think they may be the only gay person in their town. There are so many young people that have written on the, the site, and it's a great place to go and, and really discover that you've got common experiences with people all over the country. So let's talk about that trip to Denver and the annual gala. It was the 15th year remembering Matt's murder. I don't like to call it an anniversary because it certainly isn't anything to celebrate, but yeah. this year felt really like a celebration instead of a mourning, a period of mourning. We were really celebrating Matt's life and all that's happened uh, as a result of his story. What was it like for you to, to hear that you'd been selected for the Spirit of Matthew Award? Well, when I found out that I won the award, it was kind of like a oh-my-God moment because um, my mom texted me at school, and my mom's always been like, Jacob, you do not text at school. You focus on your studies. And I'm like, okay. So when my mom uh, sent me a text message saying, Jacob, can you, can you like, call me? This is really important. And I'm like, okay, someone must have got in a car accident in my family. And then... Um, I, I'm like, no, I can't. I'm in class right now. She's like, on your way to lunch, can you call me? I'm like, this is really important, I see. And then I, I called her, and she's like, the first thing she said, this is something you got to keep private until uh, one more week. And then she's, I'm like, okay, what's going on, Mom? She's like, you have been nominated by the Matthew Shepard Foundation for the Spirit of Matthew Award. And so she, um, she talked about what it meant. The award means... Um, someone who embodies what Matthew died for. And mm-hmm. we were um, just talking about it. And then I was kind of, like, nervous at first because I didn't know what this meant. And then I checked my email, and I got um, an email from someone for, at the foundation giving more information. And then that's when it started getting more real for me. But at this point, you didn't know that your mom was going to be presenting you with the award, right? No. She kept that a secret between her and my editor and the people of the foundation and I was really I was really surprised. Wow. It was so moving. I there weren't too many dry eyes around our table for sure. We have a little bit of that audio right now of Jake's mom presenting him with his award, so let's take a listen to that. Good evening. My name is Tanya McAtee. Tonight I have the honor of presenting the third annual Spirit of Matthew Award. This award is given to a young person who embodies the goals and ideas ideals that Matt Shepard held dear. This award goes to a young person who is willing to stand up for what's right and to make the world a better place, not just for LGBT people, but for everybody. Jake got involved with the foundation when I reached out looking for resources to help my gay son. Jake became a blogger on the young adult adult resource site run by the foundation called matthewsplace.com. He has shared his story with others and in doing so has changed his life. Honestly, I thought it would be so easy to come up here and tell you all about Jake, but I realized that it wasn't so easy. How can I summarize my baby who has grown before my eyes? Since Jake was a little guy, he always had a smile on his face He had the brightest of blue eyes and an affectionate smile. He was always willing to give his friends his favorite toy. And I think the only thing Jake would really hesitate to share is his Cool Ranch Doritos. (laughs) I can still see in my head with Doritos residue and a ring around his mouth (laughs) and on his fingertips. You could see him thinking really hard about possibly not sharing, but Jake always did. Jake is so soft and gentle. He's a very loving young man. As Jake has grown, he has never lost the compassion for others and the desire to make sure everyone else was taken care of before himself. When Jake started middle school, I started seeing signs that he was struggling with making friends and being accepted. I remember one year Jake wanted a group of friends to have a pizza party for his birthday. I do think Jake did more planning for the party than I did. Jake, with his big heart, bought each person a gift and gave it to them at his birthday party. I realized Jake was having a hard time fitting in. Not soon long after, he told me that we needed to talk. In my bedroom, which seems to be the place for serious family talks, 
Jake told me he is gay. I told him I had supported him and was beside him. His face looked utterly relieved when I asked if that was all you had to say. Right before Jake got to high school, all hell broke loose. Jake was outed at school, and you can imagine how fast word does travel in a small town in Iowa. I still don't know all what Jake went through on a daily basis at school, but I do know he was called names, bullied, and that he was soon afraid to go to school. The mother bear and me came out, and I visited that school, met with the staff, and nothing happened. I took it to the school board and wanted to know how they were going to help my son and others who were bullied. That night I went home and I decided I'd take matters into my own hands, and I started a local anti-bullying campaign. I handed out flyers with my phone number, offering to help to people who are being bullied. I got a call one night, and the caller said, your son's a faggot, and we're going to come kill him. My heart stopped, and I felt that lump in my throat. And all I could think about was that I had to go get Jake from his work. All I want to say about that night is that my son's cries were something that, like I've never heard. I never want to see or hear my son in such pain or that scared. He couldn't understand why someone would want to kill him because he's gay. And here now my son wanted to take his life and how he had tried to take his life were words that have been burned into my mind. This past year I have seen Jake grow and I feel like I have my son back. And his infectious smile is back. And our anti-bullying campaign has grown. Jake now writes to kids all over the country who are bullied. Jake's words give them hope and they help. People in our small town are coming forward to say they too have faced bullies. The school and the community are different now a year later. Jake is now on the cheerleading squad at his school and is the first male cheerleader. The work of the Matthew Shepard Foundation plays a big role in Jake's growing self-esteem, strength, and confidence. His desire is stronger than ever to make this world a better place. Dennis and Judy, Thank you for creating something in Matthew's name that has given my son hope. And a positive direction in life, I'll never, I will forever hold you in my heart. It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you my son, Jacob Stallman. Wow, so then you got to get up on stage, and now the room was full. There were about 350 people in there. Have you ever spoken to a group that big before? Uh, no, I think the most I've ever talked to was about 20. I really don't remember it. I know that's kind of bad, but kind of like zoned it out. It moves fast when you're in those situations. So I could tell you everybody in the entire room was on their feet clapping for you. It made it more real when I looked up and I saw Judy Shepard standing up clapping and I was like, huh, I just read her book. I just read Judy's book, and you see her picture on her, the front cover, and then you see her, like, in real life, it's like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I think you, well, I think one of the reasons is that you really are, you epitomize what the foundation is for. You know, it's there to support young people like you, and, uh, you know, that's why you got the award. I mean, you're doing some great work on the blog. You're so deserving of it, and you're a great role model for other young people. 
Thank you very much. So, what are your plans for the future? After coming from, on Sunday when we were leaving uh, Denver, I kind of sat in my room and I started crying. And I, um, I didn't know what, what, I didn't know why I was crying, but then I really, I realized why. I was crying because I really didn't want to come home because when I was in Denver, um, at the ceremony and at, after the ceremony at that dance party thing, mm-hmm. um, I saw a side of me that I never knew existed, like this free, happy person. I really didn't have to like worry about other people because I was in a room full of um, gay and lesbians and also people who are straight who actually are open-minded and happy for um, for gay people. And when I when I came home on the airplane, it was kind of like that person is being locked up in the in the gay closet again, and I don't know when that person would come out again. Mm. So. When I came home, I decided on the way home, I was talking to my mom, and I think I'm going to graduate early next year, and I'm going to try and enroll at um, a culinary arts school in Denver, and um, hopefully move out there at semester. Well, that's awesome. Maybe we'll see you on MasterChef someday. So let's shift gears a bit. We have a few minutes left. And I'd like to hear from you, if you had a room full of young people your age who are struggling with some of the same issues you are, what advice would you give them? When I first came out and everything started happening with the whole bullying situation, people would tell me the statement, it gets better, and then they would send me all those it gets better videos, which really helped me, but I really didn't like that statement. And I said, I don't want it. I was mad because I didn't want it to get better later. I wanted to get it better now, back then, and I used to always hate that statement. But now, as I have gotten like older and everything has kind of like died off with the whole bullying situation, all this good stuff has happened to me. That statement did really help, and I know it really sucked, but it really does get better. And if you are struggling, you just go to uh, my blogs, and I have my email address on the first one and you can always email me and then I'm always I'm always down to having a good conversation with anyone. Fantastic. So once again you can find Jake's blog at Matthewsplace.com. Just click on the link for youth bloggers and you will find Jake's place. Jake Stallman, congratulations to you and thanks for all the good work you're doing helping to make life better for other people. Thank you. And that wraps up this month's edition of Outbeat News in Depth. Join me next month on the fourth Sunday of December for some holiday cheer and a look back at some of the most important stories making LGBT headlines this year. And tune in next Sunday night for Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio. In the meantime, have a very happy Thanksgiving and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can listen to our shows on demand on iTunes and on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us all week long on our Facebook page and Twitter feed for the latest LGBT news from here in the North Bay and beyond.